So we noticed a significant increase in uh, cyber terrorism and cyber attack activity on uh, uh, the networks and, and computer systems that we monitor and, and had a, a customer or two have a, a data breach that caused them significant problems. And I thought it was important to let all of our customers know uh, to shore up the defenses in their computer systems and improve their uh, cybersecurity practices urgently. Cyber attacks are on the up, and in this edition of the EMS One Stop, we're going to uh, work out what happened over the weekend. I'm Rob Lawrence, and this is EMS One Stop. Hello and welcome back to the podcast and the name of the game is Cybersecurity and Cyber Attack and uh, over the weekend uh, our friends at First Watch put out an alert to say that we were actively under attack which is uh, certainly I think a first and before we get into the main guest on the podcast I managed to catch our good friend Mike Tegman just to ask him what the score was, what the story was and why they put out a alert over all of the EMS uh, One, Police One, Fire One, and of course, colleagues, friends, social media channels. And so here's my conversation with Mike Tegman. So we noticed a significant increase in uh, cyber terrorism and cyber attack activity on uh, uh, the networks and, and computer systems that we monitor and, and had a, a customer or two have a, a data breach that caused them significant problems. And I thought it was important to let all of our customers know uh, to shore up the defenses in their computer systems and improve their uh, cybersecurity practices urgently. Um, we also um, put out the word to all of uh, the EPCR vendors and CAD vendors and, and uh, uh, folks like Pulsera and, and whatnot that we uh, uh, work with and our, our colleagues in our industry uh, to have them let their customers know they should take uh, immediate action to uh, update their systems, update their firewalls, and uh, and enhance their security, uh, so they don't end up in a in a, a in a really awful situation. Um, we have uh, uh, last year we did a, a webinar uh, with one of our uh, our customers and colleagues on the East Coast uh, that had had a full ransomware of their their nine one one system and the the level of service disruption and stress and financial cost was extraordinary. Uh, so I thought if we can do anything to help anybody else prevent an experience like that, we've got to get the word out. So as always, very grateful to Mike. And so I'd like to bring in uh, my main guest now and uh, Bill Ott. Welcome. Thank you, Rob. Start off with an introduction then. You're working with First Watch. Uh, and so what is your role and what do you do within the First Watch organization? Well, um, I've got a four-decade history uh, in EMS and public safety and uh, 25 years in, in cybersecurity uh, with public safety and military assets. And I am now in charge of cybersecurity operations at First Watch. And I've been in this position uh, basically a year now. And we have really started to up our security game at First Watch and to also help protect our, our customers simply because we see so much real-time data 
uh, we, we are in the unique position of being able to see um, attack vectors and threats that our clients themselves may take a while to see because we're seeing so much aggregate data from so many different sources. Uh, we're, we're in a unique position to see things early. So we, we just spoke to Mike, and uh, Mike told us that uh, First Watch took the command decision to let everybody know that this was an active event. Obviously, you had behind-the-scenes discussions with the team there. So over the weekend, what was going on? For the last month, we've noticed a sharp uptick in Russian-sponsored cyber aggression. And over the last week in particular, it has ticked up extremely sharply, and we Obviously, don't want to get into the political reasons for all this, but it's tied into the Ukraine event. Um, it's tied into the Winter Olympics. There, there's a, a bunch of different political issues tied into this. But Russia is a prime sponsor of political and cyber activism, cyber terrorism, cyber aggression around the world. And the U.S., unfortunately, is the frequent target of that. So what we saw last week was a tremendous amount of um, ransomware as a service primarily. There were two other types of attacks we can talk about in a, in a moment. But the prime thing we saw was ransomware as a service that was delivered by a group that we sort of thought had gone dormant in Russia. But they are now back in full swing over the last couple of weeks. And we had two clients that were seriously impacted by this. And fortunately, those clients were very well positioned and we were able to assist them in getting their systems, uh, the damage halted, mitigate the damage, uh, restore their systems, help them get back up online and running. Uh, they're running on backup hardware currently. They're going to be transitioning back to their primary hardware this week once they ensure that everything is crystal clean. Um, and I can talk about in a little while what saved them specifically. There were some specific key actions that saved them. Um, unfortunately, we're seeing attack traffic with other agencies, uh, not only 911 centers, but also uh, regional telephone companies, medical facilities, local government, and other public safety entities that are being attacked very, very aggressively and are being taken offline with these ransomware type of attacks. So let me just jump in there with a question then, Bill. I'm, I'm sure that there is a level of cyber activity, uh, cyber attacks, et cetera, going on all day, every day. Um, what, made, what made this last weekend different? The sheer volume, uh, the, the, the baseline volume went up and stayed up over a course of 10 days, uh, about 35 to 40% higher than usual. Now, we see it spike up like that and then drop, but it has spiked up and it has stayed there for the last 10 days. And in fact, it is still slightly increasing today. So uh, that's concerning. We're not, we're not sure what the ultimate motive is here other than to sow confusion and discord uh, within the United States and to harm critical infrastructure. I mean, you just have to watch any national or international news outlet at the time of recording this, the British Prime Minister is actually meeting with the Ukrainian Prime Minister. Uh, I did catch a little bit of that interview. And in the first few seconds, they talked about cyber warfare. 
and, and preventing cyber warfare. So it's clearly high on the agenda. It's clearly something that everybody's thinking about. And from what you've just said, it seems to be, you know, the quote unquote attack could be underway. That is exactly right. That's, that's what we're very much concerned about. And um, it, it shows no sign of slowing down. It's, it's continuing. The velocity is continuing to increase. And we're seeing ransomware primarily, but we're also seeing some old, older style attacks that have been cleaned up with some new twists, uh, what we call SINAC attacks, which are denial of service type of attacks when two computers try to talk to each other, you use your web browser and you, you know, make a link out to CNN to look at something. Well, there's a little handshake that takes place. You send out a synchronization packet, it gets an acknowledgement packet back. Well, we're seeing sin floods that come back and overwhelm the requesting computer network. And if you overwhelm the computer enough or overwhelm the network significantly enough, you not only can take that system offline, you can effectively invade the system. You can hold their ports open and insert malware into the system. So we're seeing some of that take place. We also are seeing um, malware, uh, not just ransomware, but other types of malware being inserted through third-party products. Um, one of our clients that was infected this weekend, they were actually infected on uh, the last week of December. I believe it was December 27th. And it was because of a patch they had not installed. And they were only a day or two late installing the patch. But because they did not install the patch, the bad guys were able to slip malware in through uh, VMware, which is a virtual machine, a virtual hosting environment, into their network. And that malware agent then rides around inside the network and maps their network, makes a complete map, knows all the drives, all the servers, figures out everything to do with the network, and then phones that information home. And what was so devastating about it is they've put a dictionary search into it now where it's searching for things like um, the names of the backup drive. So things named backup, reserve, archive. It automatically was just deleting those things. Then it's encrypting everything else. So one of the lessons learned out of this past weekend is we need to start thinking about using an obscure naming method for, for resources on the network so that uh, a dictionary-style attack looking for these resources won't be successful. This, this is one of the first times we've seen this. This is somewhat unusual. Uh, a lot of thought went into that process. So that's probably why one of the old organizations I've worked in, the, all the servers had different uh, Greek, uh, you know, Greek names. So, uh, you know, so it was probably not so obvious. So it didn't occur to me at the time, that's why you do it. But clearly, that's why you do it. Hey, a question I think I know the answer to, I'm going to ask you anyway, because the people out there are going to probably wonder this. So who who were the organizations that uh, were hit this weekend? Um, unfortunately, they don't want to be named at the moment. Um for obvious reasons, uh, there are a number that are in in serious trouble. They don't have appropriate backup capabilities. They are dead in the water, uh, and it's going to be a major operation to restore them. Uh, 
uh, two of um, our major clients that were impacted this weekend were very well positioned, very well prepared. Uh, they had appropriate uh, what we call snapshot backup systems. It's what we call a pulled backup where all of their workstations, all of their servers, everything has an hourly backup snapshot pulled from it. And it, the backup then disconnects from the network. It connects, takes a snapshot, disconnects. And they keep about 45 to 60 days worth of those snapshots. And they were able to then work back through about four days to when this thing started going rogue. And that's where they started to rebuild from. And then further analysis of the logs, they were able to go back and determine the exact date when the malware entered their network. So any self-respecting IT director, head of IT or whatever name they, you know, that appointment has should be sitting up and taking note uh, right about now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they always are, but uh, this week, uh, amongst others, is, is they've got to be on deck and at the forefront of things. Yeah, we're, we're in for a very rough spring. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing cyber attacks at the level we've just never seen before every day. I mean, it, it's not peaks and valleys. It's a constant acceleration at a higher level than we've ever seen. And th there's no end in sight. And I'm afraid with the political environment in Eastern Europe, um, Russian objectives that they want to meet, this is going to continue. And this is something everybody's going to have to learn to deal with. And uh, th there's a whole philosophy called zero trust that people are going to have to start learning about. And that's where we actually run networks under the assumption that we're already compromised. And we tighten security down very, very tight within our networks so that certain people, your account can only do very, very precise things only exactly what you need to do and nothing else. Um, and so you operate as if you're already compromised. And that's a whole lot of talk you're going to hear in the media about zero trust. But uh, just in the last two weeks, three weeks, uh, the FBI put out a significant statement about Russian uh, cyber aggression on January 11th. They put out another one on January 22nd. And you know, we're now seeing the fruits of, of those memos. Well, hopefully we can track those down and put them in the show notes. Uh, and as they say, smarter mice require smarter traps. So we're going to have to continue our uh, our trap building. Before we go any further, Bill, let's just take a second to hear from our sponsor, who's also a software as a service, Blink. Given the current workforce challenges, retention is now more important than ever. By ensuring that field staff feel appreciated, informed and listened to, Blink's all-in-one employee app is currently helping EMS providers across the nation to improve their retention rates significantly. With Blink, frontline employees are able to communicate with their managers, receive company updates, and gain access to key systems like payroll and scheduling, all within an easy-to-use mobile app. If you're interested in finding out how Blink can help your organization to improve employee retention and engagement, then please visit www.joinblink.com forward slash demo to learn more. This is George Monk from Blink. Thank you for listening. George, it's always good to hear your voice uh, reading out our advert. Uh, back to you, Bill. Now, going back a wee while, you gave, and we're actually leading on a, on a session on a webinar from First Watch, talking about uh, Durham. 
who had a, a software ransomware, I think, attack. And obviously, that's a, that's a publicly facing, well-known or publicized event. So by way of an example, tell us what happened there. Yes, uh, we, we did a presentation at First Watch uh, with the assistance of uh, the personnel from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Durham EMS, Durham Fire Marshal, uh, Durham Fire Department, Durham Public Safety, Durham 911, everybody was impacted. That occurred in March 2020. And what happened there um, was, again, an unpatched system ultimately was compromised. And it occurred on a weekend. Most all of these attacks originate on weekends, holidays, uh, when you typically have junior staff working and minimal IT staff working. And when you have staff who's afraid to pull the alarm and say, hey, we got a problem. Uh, So that's why these things happen at night. But in Durham, uh, they were compromised. It spread through both the city and the county network. It affected all of the public safety agencies. It also spread into like the accounting departments and so forth. And it absolutely paralyzed the city and county of Durham for the better part of a month. And it took about a month for them to get their core services really up and running properly. And to this day, now almost two years out, we're 22 months out, they still have a few items that are not back up and operational yet, primarily regarding payroll systems and timesheets and things of that nature. Um, They were hit very hard and learned many, many, many lessons. Uh, They have hardened their defenses. They've put additional firewalls in place within the networks. they've done a lot of good things, but they were, they were hit catastrophically. And we did do, as you mentioned, back in April of this year, I'm sorry, April of 21, we, uh, we did do uh, conversations that matter about the Durham incident with some of the Durham personnel. They were nice enough to um, explain to us exactly what had happened and what they had learned. As also a co-host of the Conversations That Matter series, I was obviously listening into that, and uh, you know, I was impressed by the the frankness, the openness, the honesty of what happened to that particular you know system. So kudos to them. But of course, many lessons have been identified, many lessons have been learnt, and that kind of brings us up to the weekend that just went by. Because one of the very first things that First Watch did was to put out uh, on their website a almost a checklist of things to look out for, things to do, things to you know be aware of. So I wonder if you could, you know, again, for, for those that are, are running IT departments, uh, for those that are in, interested in this particular subject, take us through, Bill, some of those sort of, you know, the, the, the to-do list, if you like, which I think came initially, I think, as you said, from the, the, the Durham lessons identified. We can now broadcast them to make sure we're, we're covering ourselves. Yeah, well, we, we sort of, um, I, I put together a list and broke it down into um, five specific categories, basically preparation, enhancing your posture, organizational vigilance, monitoring and detection, and response. And what we're talking about with preparation is, you know, what do you have? How is it set up? If you, if you talk to many public safety directors, even many IT directors with local governments, they honestly don't have a good solid map of what all their resources are. They're not sure exactly what all they've got and what's connected to what. 
So the very first thing, obviously, is know what you've got. How is it connected? And where does it touch the outside world? Because every place that it touches the outside world is a potential entry point for a bad guy. Um, the next most important thing in preparation is backups. You've got to have verifiable backups. You want real-time backups. You want snapshot backups. And you want what we call glacial backups, which are backups made of the entire system, maybe quarterly, every six months, that are just stored away, typically on Amazon's S3 system that you know you don't touch unless there's just an absolute meltdown of everything. Um, what we've learned in the last week are the snapshot backups is what has saved people here recently. Training. The organization has to take cybersecurity seriously. And if the organization does that, then the personnel will start to take it seriously. People have to be on guard. You have to be aware. Um, social engineering, where somebody will call on the phone and trick somebody into giving a password or activating a network function is a big problem. And when you have a count, large county government, let's say, or a city government, uh, it's quite possible to spoof someone into taking an action uh, by a bad actor claiming to be with the IT department. So we need some sort of verification of who's who um, before you take action. So training your people on those sorts of things. Then enhancing your posture. The number one thing you can do to keep your systems safe is to patch them when patches come out. Everybody, doesn't matter if it's Cisco, Microsoft, SonicWall, WatchGuard, Netgear, VMware, everybody. The hardware makers, the software makers, all issue patches routinely, typically once a month. And if a bad vulnerability is discovered, they'll issue what's called an out-of-band patch. You want to keep up with those. You want to be on their mail list about these things. When a patch comes out, you want to patch your system because it is fixing a hole or holes that have been found and likely are being exploited elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's my estimation that somewhere between 60 and 70% of data breaches could be avoided by simply keeping your systems properly patched. So that's a biggie right there. Organizational vigilance, um, that gets in into the training, uh, security is a is an operational mantra. You know, we we've got to keep our data secure. Keeping our data secure keeps us secure, keeps our patients secure, keeps our our citizens secure. Um, unfortunately, a lot of public safety agencies, in, until recently, have you know sort of poo pooed on the idea of taking cybersecurity as a serious issue, and that's got to change because everything is computer driven. Everything is on the computer. It's on networks and it's our responsibility to do what we can to guard it. Monitoring and detection. This is where you sort of get into your technical people where you need IT people or IT analysts. But this is where you look at your log traffic. You want to be logging everything your network does. Um, everything that's bouncing off of your firewalls traffic in and out of your firewalls, traffic within your network. What's going on? 
And you need to look at those logs regularly so that you know what normal looks like. If you know what normal looks like, abnormal sort of jumps out at you. And when you look at these logs regularly, especially live, when you're seeing live traffic flowing, um, it's, it's almost akin to reading an EKG. Um, you, can, you can eyeball the data for a little while, and you can tell the health of your network. You can tell the health of the Internet at the moment. And that's, that's an important skill. Um, you want to establish alarms that notify key players, that notify your network staff. If you know, certain criteria happen, you start to have a, a flood of attacks on your denial of service type of flood on your firewall. You start to have a lot of uh, bizarre unknown traffic within the network. You can think about things like honeypots. A honeypot is a server that is set up as a, a decoy within your network that has tantalizing things like payroll and accounts receivable and accounts payable. And what that serves function for is like what happened this weekend where the bad guys came in through a, an authorized third-party service. They didn't, they didn't brute force through the firewall. They came in through another third-party who we allow that third party on the network. But then they start surfing around in the network. Well, the only way to catch them is to have some honeypots. And with some honeypots, they're going to look in those. And, of course, you have those alarms. So if somebody goes looking, you know you've got a rogue person in your network. So this, you know, this is technical stuff, but uh, it, it's all very important. And then finally, response. You've got to have a plan. You, you've got to sit down and work out a plan of if we have a breach, who are we going to talk to about it? Who are we going to notify? How are we going to continue our operations? If our, our electronic systems are all down, are we, are we prepared to immediately move back to paper? Do we have a backup electronic system? Are we calling the FBI? Are we calling our, our state law enforcement officials? Who are we calling? What is our plan? And unfortunately, so many people don't have that plan. And all of a sudden, they're breached. And then, then there's the mad scramble of, oh, my, you know, what, what do we do now? And, and who do we notify? You want to have all those things already worked out so you literally can pull the book off the shelf and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. So the key headings you mentioned there, Bill, preparation, enhanced security posture, organizational vigilance, monitor and detect response are all key things, I think not only, I keep coming back to IT directors, etc., but chiefs, because you need to know how your system works, not just medically, but also from a technological perspective as well. So all of those things are contained uh, in the articles at all of the Lexpol titles, Police One, EMS One, and our, and our colleagues over at FIRE. It's all there for you to read, and we'll put links in the show notes. We'll also link up the Durham ransomware attack a, a video as well, so folk can see that. And I think the key message is to be absolutely vigilant and to stand by to stand by, Bill. And, uh, but, you know, as we always say, not if, but when. And, and the when is now, right? Yes. And, and I th what we did this weekend was unusual. Um, First Watch has never issued an alert like this, but uh, we saw what was happening. We were being attacked ourselves. And in consultation with our president, Todd Stout, and talking with Mike and our other IT folks, you know, we said, you know, we, we ought to let people know about this. 
And so the decision was made to put the word out. Well, it's a brave and courageous decision to actually be the first to, uh, you know, raise the alarm and be part of the alert. And thank you for that. Uh, before we come back to you, Bill, please, for a second, follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review us and give us those important five stars. Bill, thank you so much for, for coming on actually with zero notice, in fact, to talk about this. How can we get hold of you? Uh, you can reach me at First Watch. Um, my email, oddly enough, is bot, B as in boy, B-O-T-T, at firstwatch.net. Or my office phone is 760-284-9810. Such is my adherence to uh, to uh, email, Bill. I've told you this before, but you've emailed me before and I saw bot and I immediately deleted you, so I apologize for that. Um, another top tip, actually, I, I've seen on First Watch emails particularly, is the, is the authentication that goes on. So if you're sending an email to somebody, you'll put a, an authentication message in that the folk will know it's you. So, for example, I went to the beach this weekend and my mate James was over playing ice hockey uh, and two uh, complete extremes. Right. And so... Right, you you put an uh, you you put a little authorization clip at the end of the email that only everybody else in the company would know, and so they they, they would know that it's a valid message from you. Yes. Yep. And so there's a, there's my takeaway, but obviously all of the takeaways are contained in the articles at uh, EMS One, Police One, Fire Rescue One, and obviously at the First Watch website. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. Bill, again, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to rapidly join me. We're going to process this uh, podcast very quickly, get it out there, because this thing's still going on. And uh, it is, and it's, it's getting worse. I'm afraid the traffic, the traffic today is about 15 percent higher than what it was on Saturday when we made the announcement. Wow! So, first watch, and you, Bill Bot, are at the tip of our spear. Um, Please also follow me on LinkedIn or indeed on Twitter at UKRobL1. I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS One Stop. And until next time, bye for now.